each Sunday night. I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. On time out to practice. With your host, Keith Barney. Out to practice. And money bags, Mike and Declan. Detailing David E. Kelly's Emmy Award-winning series, The Practice. We are up to Season 2, Episode 15, The Line of Duty. What's going on, Degs? You work on the road once again. It is. It's my final week here in Westport, New York. They've been so kind to us. I, however, am about, I just spent every cent I've made on this contract on yet another flat tire. I believe this makes at least two, possibly three, that have happened during the course of our podcast. That is remarkable. So, like, why are you driving over nails constantly? What's like, well, what's causing it? I uh, hit a pothole and pretty hard. It like swallowed my whole tire. So I went in to get the patch job. I I I braced myself to spend that hundred and sixty dollars on a new tire. And they told yeah. me, "Hey, good news. Your tire's not flat. You just cracked the rim." <laughs> well, Keith, oh, fuck. my fancy ass bought a. Honda Fit Sport Edition, and that Sport Edition has fancy factory rims that cost me $528, plus installation, plus new tire pressure monitoring system, all in for $708. Good lord, that's more than my car is worth. I know. So I have to... Entirely. It's so much money that I actually have to file it through my insurance because the $500 deductible is less money than the goddamn new rim. Look at that! You crushed your deductible. Woohoo! Yeah. So there you go. Oh yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you are finishing up your Candor and Ebb show. Mm-hmm. So, are you ready to play the clip I uh, demanded that you record? No, no. I have decided to hold off until closing weekend to give myself another chance to record myself sounding less bad. Ooh. Now. If you were the type of person who wanted to sound less bad, would you have done this podcast? Oh, you bring up quite a philosophical uh, quandary there, Keith. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I can't answer that. I am not in the comedic place that I am generally in to serve you the comedy you need. (laughs) You're in a comedic place of wanting to throw your car off a bridge. Oh, man. Uh, Luckily, my castmates were very kind to me and, and drove me up to the... The place, because the, you know, the drive was, it was about a 45 minute drive and I was doing that on a donut. So that's never, uh, yeah, it's always nerve wracking. Even though I know those donuts are pretty, pretty uh, hearty. They, they followed me up and they bought me lunch and they were really, it was cool. So that's nice of them. 
Yeah. Well, you're out in the rurals. People are nice. And you put on gym shorts, so I'm guessing it's hot and sticky there in New York City? You know, it has been all weekend. Today has been slightly more reasonable, but like, I, I, I'm at home today. I'm not putting on long pants. Yeah, that's for the birds, man. <laughs> it's not a real radio program. It's a fake radio program. Keith, spoiler alert. Yes. Yesterday, our beloved United States Women's Football Club did us proud. Spoiler alert. I already called it. So uh, we won 2-0 over the Netherlands, and we are, once again, the champions of the world. We are indeed, which I'm super excited about. Very happy for them. I'm also excited about, watch, you know, with the Women's World Cup, the U.S. has been so much better than everybody else for so long that it, it hasn't been as much fun. But this year has been way more fun because the rest of the world is catching up mm-hmm. rapidly. And so this, like, team of legends... Uh, that we're fielding is uh, actually having to play really hard, and it's exciting. You see Rapino out there kicking butt, Alex Morgan, always one of my favorites. And so, uh, very happy about it. I think what's even cooler to me, and not to get too political, though we tend to veer, uh, we've let our, <laughs> our card carrying liberal side show. What, however, I think it's pretty cool that uh, our beloved football club will be coming down. The Broadway and a ticker tape parade to, to celebrate New York City with us rather than uh, in other places they could go and celebrate. Yes. Yeah. I, I thought about going, but then I have therapy, so I can't go. But they're going to I think they're going to go right near my office. So I'm sure hopefully be, they'll they'll still have some ticker tape left over when I'm done. I'm sure there'll be great coverage and we can watch it on TV. As I've gotten older, I've recognized that being there is less important to me. Seeing it somewhere comfortable is much more valued in my life. Truly, you know, especially you know, living in New York, where all these crazy things happen, you've got New Year's and you've got uh, the fireworks, and you've got parades, that kind of stuff. In person, it kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I think doesn't suck are protest marches here yeah. because you're you're moving and you're seeing things and things are changing as opposed to like standing in one spot for a long time and then something sort of happens you can sort of see for a second and then you stand there for two more hours specifically uh, speaking of events sucking you know everybody says on their bucket list is the new year's eve Times square ball drop that is the worst of the worst if you love to hold your pee for hours that is the only reason it's worth going it's cold (laughs) they don't let they literally do not let you pee there are no porta potties and there is nowhere to go so nope if you have that on your bucket list from far away, wherever you might be listening, uh, don't do it. But Keith, speak- have you done it though? Uh, I've walked. You haven't. Th- I've never done it. I've walked through it. Oh, it's terrible. But since New Year's happens at Times Square, and we happen to be in the new year, proverbially in 2018. Just kidding. Oh, 1998. Yes. <laughs> Proverbably. <laughs> You've had a long day already. Yeah. I meant uh what I don't even know what I meant. I meant I was trying to segue into our podcast. <laughs> you were like, please stop talking about bullshit. I need to take it. No, nap. I enjoy the bullshit segment. Um but uh, we should get into the meat of the podcast. The podcast is actually called Out of Practice Podcast. You can find us on the web at out of no, at gmail.com <laughs> or out of practicepodcast.blogspot.com. Are these right? Am I doing this right? Some of them. 
Or wherever. I was going to jump in and bail you out, but I'm kind of enjoying what you come up with. <laughs> or find us wherever your podcast services of choice are served to you. Yes, we're on the uh, Instagram and Facebook at Out of Practice Podcast. So uh, check us out. So we are talking about January 5th, 1998. Now, if you remember, our last episode was January 3rd, 1998. Hmm. Yeah, so they they did a whole bunch of Saturdays and then they switched to a Monday. So uh, we've we're gonna like we're jam packed in uh, the practice time. So given that you have two days, what happened in the two days? This day in the basement. Well, Keith, it was a simpler time in 1998. I was driving a Chevy Lumina. Mm. I didn't have to ever change the tires. <laughs> I never had to service the car. We had a guy mm-hmm. who did that for us. My dad made sure all of that was taken care of. Not but two years later, I would buy my first Honda, and that Honda would be my first of nothing but Hondas ever since. And I believe today solidified in my brain that I've purchased might be the, your last. the last Honda I will ever <laughs> buy. So from first to last, uh, we've spanned the lifespan of um, one man's brand loyalty to a car company. Yeah, well, there it is. I mean, I tried to repark my Hyundai today, and I uh, couldn't find a spot, and I uh, went back and reparked right where I was for all wow. the outside parking. So I'm going to try again uh, later today, because that was fun. Mm. So uh, what I was doing that weekend was the divisional playoff rounds of the NFL, as often happens, and I was smarting. My heart was broken, much like it was it is this year, because the New York football giants, headed off by Danny Cannell at quarterback ah. and Jim Fossil's first year as coach, had just lost a heartbreaking loss at home to the Minnesota Vikings, 23 to 22. Quarterbacked, I will give you I will give you fifteen dollars if you can tell me who quarterbacked the Vikings in the 1998 playoffs, and it is somebody who you have a connection with. The Vikings. Would it be left-hander Randall Cunningham? It would be Randall Cunningham. Oh, please enjoy your fake $15. I had a suspicion I wasn't going to see that 15 <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. Well, you know, I, I get the first round uh, whenever you get back to wherever you're Deal. from. Wherever you're Deal. from. Uh, so yeah, that's, so that's what I was doing. Also playing that, uh, this was the season that the Denver Broncos went and John Elway finally got his ring, finally got his ring in a Super Bowl that I very much enjoyed and was rooting for John Elway, but didn't realize I would subsequently write a musical about John Elway in which the finale takes place during that said Super Bowl. So, uh, very compelling NFL season for me that year. Are we legally allowed to play any of the music from that? Sure. All right. Well, that's our homework for the end of the episode, Keith. We're going to play uh, a choice cut from the end of Keith's musical. Is it still called Elway, the musical? It is. Well, yes. <laughs> it still is in its non-existent dead form. <laughs> so, you know, it's sitting in the graveyard of musicals I have on my shelf behind me that Degs can see but no one else can. <laughs> uh, I'll say this. And you know I love to rip shit on Keith. Every one of them is excellent. Well, maybe not every one of them. The majority of them are excellent. <laughs> Wait, so which one isn't? I don't know, but I assume you've written some shit. They can't all be good. <laughs> oh, I've definitely written some shit. I was just curious if you knew which ones were shit. 
Anyway, there's a there's a religious one I recall that a friend of yours wrote that I th- was pretty special. Oh yeah, no, it's one of my five pseudonyms. I, I th- believe it's probably the most produced one though. It is definitely the most produced one. Yeah, I mean, it's not a, uh, you know, for what it is, it's not terrible. It was really interesting to write a musical in a genre, both uh, story-wise and musically, that I don't usually write in. And so it was, it's kind of fun. I'm like, I'm proud of the melodies in that show, if not anything else. One final uh, somewhat related tangent before we jump in. Uh, Since you brought up uh, your, I brought up your Christian musical. Um, I was in Astoria Park last week uh, on one of my days off. And uh, these two gentlemen rolled up to me and he pulled out a bill. And he said, have you ever seen a, a printed million dollar bill? To which I said, to which I said no, um, and I got so excited, Heath. I got so 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 excited because you what were I totally going to murder him. No, because what I money. what I really believed was going to happen in my heart, what I truly yeah. believed was going to happen, yes, was close up magic. Oh, that would have been so cool. I know, I was so excited, but no, he used it as a loose prop to segue into born again Christianity, and I had to sit oh. there and listen to that babble. Uh, politely. It wasn't so much Chris Angel as Christian Angel. Okay, let's let's, (laughs) let's roll it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we are uh, talking about Season 2, Episode 15, The Line of Duty. This was written by... Oh, wait, no, we're still talking about January 5th, 1998. Correct. What was I thinking? Oh, my God. All right, well, would you believe... Would you believe the top song continued to be a little tune by Elton John? Goodbye, Norma Jean. So you just recorded it yourself. <laughs> I got I got so sick of all of the of all the uh, versions of it. I made my own for the well, finale because it's finally gonna change. Did you record the whole song? No, I just did like the first verse and chorus. So the top movie was Titanic beginning its reign, putting in $28 million. This was also true of two days ago, but that's really not new information. Sing it, fake Elton. Did you say something about a treadmill? Yeah, see, there's treadmills in the lyrics of the song. Interesting. Yeah, I'd actually never listened to the lyrics until I had to say them with my mouth. <laughs> well, I don't know that you had to. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to do it phonetically like I did the classical. <laughs> okay, so on the cover of the Burlington Free Press. Now, I, I wanted to pick this article to prove that us local yokels in Vermont actually did pay attention to things other than snow and maple sugar because the top story was in there was the resignation of the Isra- Israeli foreign minister. Hmm. Uh, David Levy resigned over Bibi Netanyahu's abandoning of the peace process. So lots have changed. Yeah, geez, man. It, every time we read one of these headlines, I'm like, what is happening? Nothing, apparently. Like, seriously, and Netanyahu's still doing the same thing. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Let's talk about Israel on a podcast. That'll go well for everyone. (laughs) 
a TV podcast. <laughs> a TV podcast. Oh my goodness. All right. So it is finally, finally time to talk about the damn episode. So season two, episode 15, Line of Duty was written by David E. Kelly. It was directed, directed, wow. directed. Oh boy. We're, you know, we're doing good. I don't know what my excuse is. Just like generalized misery. You know, I've listened back to a couple of our episodes now, Keith, and the first segment, it's always us talking as if this is the first time we've ever fucked up in the beginning, and it's every episode. <laughs> oh my God, we just flubbed a word. I, I can't like, imagine. Oh my God, why, what's happening today? And I'm like, it's literally every episode. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening this lifetime? <laughs> Man, uh, this lifetime's a mess. Now, the past couple episodes that David E. Kelly has written have been yes. fairly fa- on the excellent side, so I'm excited about this. Yeah. Well, the director, director, Robert Mendel, this is his only episode of The Practice, hmm. but he did do a whole bunch of other interesting things, including uncredited, but he directed Carrie 2, The Rage. Okay. Remember that from the 90s? I do. Uh, he directed the movie FX. He directed the pilot of the X-Files. And a bunch of after-school specials. So that is a wide range of things that he has directed. And I'm curious to see what you think of this one. Well, before we get it's important that we discuss what Mike thinks gonna happen. Where's your guitar? I don't have it up here. That's my uh. excuse. Um, <laughs> well... The title alone leads me to believe that we're going to have something to do with uh, police, uh, the, the thin blue line here, uh, line fair of bet, duty. Fair bet, fair um, But I will say that since we have, once again, been skipping the previously ons, um, I will start to just give a summation of them, which will be longer than the actual previously on. Great. This one consists of uh, Cameron and, uh, I can't make, of Evelyn and Jimmy when they decided to take the uh, the cancer cell case. Evelyn? Did I say Evelyn? <laughs> you sure did. <laughs> you know, I've got a new jingle. Does Mac know the names of the characters of the show we've been, we've put out 38 hours of talking about? <laughs> well, to be fair, she hasn't really litigated much, so... <laughs> Do you know what the show we're doing? <laughs> so anyway, it's it's that case. They bring that back up. So that gives wait, us wait, wait, the... wait, I'm not letting you off. What's her name? <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. I cannot remember. All I can think of <laughs> is Cameron. It's Cameron. <laughs> oh, no. What, what is her name? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not telling you anything. You should oh, probably man. call, ask Bobby McDonald. Anyway, so I'm giving you shit, but I'm famous for like I can read an 800-page novel and not tell you what the main character's name is. I, I what I'm getting at, Keith, is I think we're back in season two again for real. Oh, oh, how exciting! Because followed by that. And in fact, it's a pretty funny split cut. We see um, Bobby and, oh my God, I've got to say everybody's name now, and it's terrible. That's right. Bobby, Let's hear it. Bobby and uh, Lindsay making out on the couch. Okay, good. You got him. All right. But then Bobby and his new girlfriend. Whose name is? 
Oh my god. <laughs> dark hair. <laughs> you see them making out. His name is Dark Hair. So it's like they had to remind us of all the plot points of actual season two, now that we're jumping back into season two. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so it was good. It really, really, as you can tell, brought me up to speed. All right. Well, please uh, enjoy this episode of The Rehearsal. <laughs> it's a summary judgment hearing. All you have to do is show some disputed Oh, Bobby McDonald's shirtless. It's 10 o'clock. With nice short hair. Nice short hair, season two hair. I'll call you in the morning, okay? Bye. He's about to get in the shower, it sounds like. Oh, we're getting a full nudie body shot. Oh, dude's worked out. That's what I look like with my shirt off, too, just in case you're wondering. Okay. Oh! Give me more time to Boom! Dole he is and his name, girlfriend. Right? No, that's Lindsay. Oh, right. Oh, Bobby and Dark Hair <laughs> it's are making out in the oh shower. My God. Steam. That's how you know it's city. This is. Oh, they're and puffing and puffing. Now I'm uncomfortable because this is a full on, like, extended, steamy sex scene. <laughs> Comedic beat, they fall out of the shower. They fell out of the shower. Okay. They're still going at it. Still. 15 seconds here. Going a long time. There's been a lot of armography trying to hide us from side boob. We didn't even get any butt, which means this has got to be pre uh, NYPD blue. Well, it's the same time, but this is the classy one. Uh, Don't. uh, 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 Hello. Why would she answer his phone? You gotta be kidding me. Cowley? I think it's her phone. Oh. This is for the Isakoff warrant, right? Uh, well, I think he still passes Aguilar on the facts. You don't have to put that in the proffer. All right. Let me know. Keith, I can't remember her name either. What's wrong Robin? with me? Uh, big search warrant. Our informant has suddenly revealed he was Abraham Lincoln in a past life. I'm not helping you. You think we need to disclose that to the magistrate? To be fair, she hasn't been in it in a while. Well, let's, let's get yes. out our criminal procedure. Stop gross kissing. Books. Let's review. Oh, God. Th- so for those, for those of you listening at home, it's, it's just as gross. <laughs> exactly what you're picturing is just how gross it is. Which is ironic because they're two outstandingly attractive people making out. But it's 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 really awkward in this context, I have to admit. I had a girlfriend who used to kiss with her eyes open and just like stare into my soul. Ooh, like a sociopath? Was she was she a serial killer? I don't know, I haven't seen her in going on twenty years, so. You know what they say about serial killers? If they haven't killed again, they're probably already in prison. Well, folks, this lighthearted episode of The Practice brought to you by Keith's knowledge of serial killers. <laughs> Apparently. But but unfortunately, I can't remember any of their names, so they'll, they'll never be apprehended. Laura Flynn Boyle as... Youaremore.com. Call AmeriQuest. Oh, Youaremore.com. You are more. You are more. You are. In another bedroom. Another bed. So many beds. Oh, Bobby's still nude. So dark hair. Dark hair is nude. I I almost gave away her name. 
Bobby's waking up. He's having a thought. What's the emergency? Our big dealer in Jamaica Plain. Is his name Isakoff? Bobby said it wouldn't have to be. This isn't about that. I just want to know, is his name Isakoff? Man, they're John jumping Isikoff. into all yeah, the season two plot retainer? points now. Took his retainer. Bobby would pay our rent with the interest. So we, we have to remember that Lindsay Someone? is a... What? Uh, He's a mob lawyer. Yeah, yes, drug lawyer. Helen got a call last night Helen. with an informant. It was a warrant for Isakoff. You were at Helen's? It was another Isakoff. A different one. Bobby, Isakov isn't very common. We just happen to represent one who's a major cartel player. The DA just happens to have one scheduled for a raid. I would make a wild guess that it's the same guy. So what do we do? We Keith, is Lindsay uncomfortable that Bobby's dating Helen, even though she said she wasn't, because they haven't hit me in the head hard enough with it quite yet? Well, I don't know. I mean... Is Lindsay sending mixed messages by saying, it's totally fine if you date Helen, now let's fuck on the couch that everyone sits on? Mm. <laughs> you let him know. Yeah, but I got the information. It doesn't matter how you got that client sit on. Client this is, is pre-Febreze, ladies and gentlemen. not tell him. I don't believe this. You better notify this guy fast, too. If this Keith, to send our fact checker today, to find out when Febreze be became behind. a thing. Basically, it's a legal motion. They're claiming as a matter of law, we can't win. So they're asking the judge to kick it. But you expect us to get by it. Well, we expect to because the benefit of the doubt goes 96, to the 96, Febreze was but, there. But what? But Judge Walsh is so famous So it's okay that they fuck the on the couch. Down. He practically yeah, totally crusades fine. against, well, dubious claims. And okay, we should stop here and say what's happening, which I feel like the show probably needed to as well, <laughs> because this is a continuation of the cancer case, the cancer cluster case that Jimmy came up with like nine episodes ago and like <laughs> conceptually happened before the whole Jimmy the Grunt arc happened, but clearly didn't. Right. So we are hopping back into that case from, you know... Six six months ago, which in short was basically this this community was around this uh, this cluster of cancer that they believe is related. Uh, no one was taking their case because they didn't think they could win it. But uh, Jimmy took it on as a class action. He did indeed. And uh, you know, while we're while we've got stopped, we should just because there's no really good other time to do it. Let me just introduce to you quickly. The four plaintiffs in this suit, because they're, we've, we've seen them before, but we didn't introduce them. We're going to see them for a while. Okay, so the older gentleman here, we see on the screen that no one else can see, but just for, you know, for Degs, this is Ellis Williams, who uh, you would know from the Hewleys. He played the, the father. He's been on the West Wing. He was in Lawnmower Man 2, and one of my favorite 90s television shows, I'll Fly Away. Now, the nerdy guy with the goatee is Bob Clendenin, who you would know from Scrubs, Dude Where's My Car, that 70s show. Also, he's a, he was a regular on Cougar Town and Felicity. Mm. And don't worry, he was on Star Trek as a Vidian on Star Trek Voyager. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The lady with a bob is Maria Santucci. If you're watching along, kids, because you should be is Maria Santucci, who did this arc on The Practice, a horror movie with a $2,500 budget, and nothing else. But she still <laughs> updates her IMDb pictures, headshot, and resume. And the older lady is named Patty Allison, who was on Law & Order, J, Huff, and E.R. We did it! Those are the plaintiffs. It's not that. It's the connection between 
cancer and power lines. Isn't that what a trial is for, to prove our case? Yes, but the truth is judges are becoming more inclined to toss out cases that they don't like, and this judge in particular... We expect Eleanor, not Evelyn. Hey! But it's no lock. You're catching up. Bobby's sitting outside. Everyone's rubbing their hands because they're freezing, but Bobby's window is open. Keith, would you believe it that the perp that, or informant, I guess, that Bobby is staking out right now is exiting a first floor apartment? Look at that. Why do you know? In very cold Los Angeles. It's very, so cold. You can tell everyone's rubbing their hands. Also, does Bobby drive a Porsche? What's the matter? I think that was a sob. Jackie Cowley, why? The DA is going in to get a warrant. You're about to get hit. Maybe any second. (laughs) What are you talking about? As we speak, you're about to get raided. Oh, you know what I forgot to play? Four plaintiffs and now a drug dealer. (laughs) People. Oh my God! I totally... You know, I forgot the uh, forgot the bumper. That's terrible. That drug dealer is James Paradise. He played Buffy's dad in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Movie. Not the TV show. He was also on the amazing show Baywatch Nights, and was in the uh, really like remarkably entertaining Sleepaway Camp. Hmm. Don't know that one. Have you not seen Sleepaway Camp? I it's have not. It's worth a watch. It's a, it's crazy, but it is definitely worth a watch. Helen. Hey. So Bobby was over last night, huh? I told you. Well, not really. It kind of slipped out. Lindsay. How'd it go? You mean how far? Did Fucking it relax. Yeah. How far? Well, all I'll say is anything further would be uncharted territory for me. Really? I mean, for you. He you means butt sex. So he. he, he I was, was going good. to say he literally. That exact sentence. Maybe he went out and hired a surrogate to get himself unstuck. Do <laughs> 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 you think it could have been any more discouraging, Eleanor? Sorry? I'm trying to prop these people up. Give them something to hope for a little. Why? Why? Yeah, why? This case is a Hail Mary, Jimmy. They gotta know that. You go into something thinking you're gonna lose, you usually lose. That's my experience. I want that judge to look out there and see people who feel they have a right to be sitting in that courtroom, not people apologizing for taking up his time. You mean like your gay mom? Whoa. Who you you shamed from beginning to the end? You sure did. I understand that, Jimmy, I do. But the best way to accomplish that is by telling your clients exactly that. Don't mislead them. If you don't want to be with me here, you don't got to be with me. Okay, fine. So does that mean you're with me or not? Yes, Jimmy, I am with you. Bobby? Bobby, come look at this. What? But just hurry. What can you tell us about what's happening down there? Something on TV they're at gathering around. At this point, three officers have been confirmed dead, as well as two suspects. A third man, identified as Jack Cowley, was also killed, but police think this was oh, an no. execution-style hit. He was found inside a body bag. The two wounded suspects were taken to St. Elizabeth in so critical Bobby's informant buddy has been murdered. Well, it seems it started off as a routine drug raid, but police believe the suspects were tipped off. They were waiting with guns, packing up, trying to get out when the police arrived. And they had a lot more firepower than the police. It was a gruesome bloodbath here, Tom. 
The people that Bobby tipped off about the raid gunned up and killed two cops during the said raid. I'm sure my client wants to see his lawyer. Why don't you go ask him? Yikes. Hey, Mike. Um, I'm sorry to hear about your men. Yeah. I should see him. What do you mean? So that's his drug dealer. You represented my counsel. They've got injured during the shootout. Three cops are dead, so I'm not expecting your constitutional rights to have top priority. John, I may stick a man in here. We'll see how it goes. For now, you just just concentrate on getting stronger. So, Bobby, you got three cops killed. That's what happened here. But let's shame Jimmy some more for his commercial. Oh, and he's going up against Helen. This man's your client? Yeah. Who's the prude now? Who's the prude now, Helen? Fox. Yeah, jeez. definitely ha- I mean dark hair is clearly having an oh shit moment they didn't think there was going to be a conflict of interest at some point along no. the way what's going on uh, not that not quite like that I think she's I talking the by the way to James Pickens Jr. who played the cop that they bribed with information down. earlier in the season whoa we just talked right over that she sold Bobby out she sure did well he sold himself out yeah, but he didn't admit to that he was the tip-off. She just... She figured it out. How would he know? Dark hair's bright. I think I told him. A review of the depositions and interrogatories reveals there are simply no facts to support the claim that electric and magnetic fields cause cancer. Your Honor, the complaint states paragraph after paragraph of factual facts which support the claim. At tr- Factual facts? Factual facts. Sounds like something we would say. Trial, we intend to offer (laughs) evidence in support of these factual facts. Well, we could allege the alignment of the stars as a possible defense, and I suppose that, too, would be a factual fact in dispute. I don't think you have to get... If only we lived in a time where we had to actually preface facts with factual... Oh my God! Right, like that. Back when that was a Mr. Berlu, was up for the question. But and this brings me while we're doing it, I know that lawyer from somewhere. The lawyer arguing factual facts with Jimmy is Cliff DeYoung, who was the former lead singer of a band called Clear Light, who uh, was like was up for a while. I'm going to play one of their tunes for you. Just Gatorade. No, I'm going to I'm going to play an ad before their uh, before their song starts just so you can There are two ads before their song start? Hashtag Man, Gatorade. Not... I guess we got to hashtag some companies here in this episode. Hashtag Gatorade. God, they should start paying us. All right. So, this is our friend Cliff DeYoung singing <laughs> some weird experimental 70s stuff. <laughs> What is even happening? We know what's best for you. <laughs> what the hell is this? You didn't, you didn't pre-listen to this, Keith? No, I just picked a random song from that band. 
That's amazing. All right. Well, while we're talking about him, I don't find pleasant. He starred in the original production of Hair on Broadway. He was in The Craft, Flight of the Navigator, The West Wing, Jagged, Lois and Clark, RoboCop TV show, and RoboCop 4. And what the hell is this? And he was on Deep Space Nine. All right. Well, that's enough of Drugs, the musical. Uh, and he was on Deep Space Nine, so here's your bumper for that. Unnecessary start. Okay, well, I I'm going to check my sources before I play all. I have sanctions against other attorneys, but I think this is a particularly egregious situation. Your Honor, can we at least finish with the summary judgment arguments before the personal attacks? Now, the attack is not personal in spirit, and it is certainly relevant to today's hearing. Our position is basically that they have no case, and it's no coincidence that this is the attorney claiming that they do. That's the face of an experimental drummer. <laughs> you know me? You shouldn't. Oh, they're reason. playing the grunt commercial as evidence? Oh my god, how much can you beat up be on Jimmy for that one commercial? Stuff, except to the people involved. Good lord. Because their injuries are real, and the money I get them. Now, of course, Somebody in filming, they need to show this again to remind the audience that this happened the previous season, but see how much they care. not as it was aired. And come to me. Think nobody will fight for you. You're just a grunt. I'm a grunt. There's a lawyer out there for you. It's a good commercial, though. It's me. Just totally dial the number. 555-GRUNT. And ask for Jimmy. I'll get your money. It's not the greatest number. <laughs> well, I think this advertisement makes the point. Jimmy the Grunt... Is a lawyer who will push forward with anything. This is an attorney who, as our documents will show, falsified bank records in order to oh, secure yeah, funds for too. his firm. That's stealing. This is an attorney who was very recently arrested for soliciting a prostitute. This is an attorney who demeans <laughs> our profession. His resume and is not strong. To do so today by no, prosecuting it does not a claim have a great, he knows uh, he can't make. You don't know what I can or can't make. I know that you are pandering to cancer victims, and I find that very unfortunate. What's unfortunate is this cheap ambush, Your Honor, which isn't relevant it's to relevant any... It's relevant to a Rule 11 motion whether or not an attorney is acting in good faith, and your firm historically does not. Mr. Berluti solicits clients on television. That's how he got these clients. That's how he got this case, one which no other attorney of reputation would accept. So, I put before the court. The civil action before you is commensurate with the attorney bringing it, and I must say... That in 27 years of practice, this is the first argument of this nature I have ever had to make. Cliff, you're a bit of an asshole. What'd she say? But here, here's him actually singing. I found a better one. Better is subjective, Keith. <laughs> I'm as close so when you hear this guy ripping into Jimmy, just imagine... Be. Still an asshole. What could she say? That was your Clifty Young moment. What could I say? Because she's. We don't. The character is an asshole. Cliff might be a terribly nice. Bobby, person. this was a fluke of circumstances. You both have to realize this. Five people are dead. Ooh. You know, why don't you go to their you families' houses hospital. and knock on the doors? It seems know. to be what yeah. you generally do. Why don't you invite yourself over, ask for a cookie? Shot. He's wearing a zoot suit tie again. I can't allow it. He sure I is. I just can't allow it. <laughs> I don't know. Robert Donald, 
Yeah. Uh-oh. Please put your hands behind your back, sir. Here What's come the cops. Please, sir. What's the charge here? Reckless homicide. Homicide? You have the right to remain oh, give silent. Give me a break. I know my rights. Right. Bobby's getting the cop. What are you doing? Hey! 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 Don't resist, Bobby. Yeah, and meanwhile, like, Eugene swatting away that cop right there would get him shot today. Bobby got roughed up. Jimmy, you've got to calm down. Calm down? I'm just glad Cops my think father's he killed three of them. Steam, outdoors. Man never gets back to him. Don't worry, I'm they're steam. I'm just glad I want to kill him. But you said he was already dead. Not my father. I want to kill Wes. I- I'm not a violent person. You know I'm not. I want to drive over him with my car. Right. Would you listen to me? You have to go in there. Keep your head and just talk about the case. What about what he said about me, about us? You just cover it quickly and we get back to the case. But the clients heard all that. Why should they trust me? The clients are going to be happy if we just win the motion. Jimmy, look at me. You cannot go back in there and ramble, for God's sake. You have Look at me. There's steam in three different places in this shot. Look, you keep your head. They're all wearing trench coats. Summary judgment favors the plaintiff. So just address the claim. You have to argue that's the LA subway. They're getting out of the cause of action. That's all. I want to kill him. Well, you can kill him later. They'll be arraigning you in about an hour. We shouldn't have to worry about bail. Who's the DA? I'm not we sure. should have some sort of Look, a. Uh, oh, mistakes. hey, guess what? Three cops it's dead, the first time one of our lawyers has been accused of murder. Mm-hmm. First murder charge that? of the series. So, what's our running rap sheet? We got prostitution. He is represented by counsel. Murder. Uh, Keep that in mind. Prostitution, murder, you have bank fraud, bank fraud. you have assault. Is this you to me? DA to suspect. That's a funny question for you to be asking. It's you and me, Bobby. Then let's do it on this cot. Firstly, I'm sorry. You have to know that. You got information as a result of our personal relationship. Say it a little louder, Helen. You used that information to put police officers at risk. Say it again. And police officers were killed, saying you're sorry. It didn't matter how I got the information, Helen. Once I got it, it would have been unethical for me not to tell the client. You were doing the ethical thing? Telling drug dealers, men with assault weapons, telling them that the police officers were on their way, that was the ethical thing to do? Put yourself in my position. For the last two hours, I've been trying to do that. How about, now don't get me wrong, this is fucked up. Yeah. But how about get your shit together, Helen? You know what I mean? Like, this is the business you're in. So get your shit together, stop crying, and let's figure out what we're going to do here. Well, I mean, think, as a lawyer, you have the same ethical obligation that like a therapist would have, right? And so I have friends who are therapists, and if they get a call about a client, they go into another room so that I do not hear half of a conversation about a client. Now, because she's a prosecutor and not a defense attorney, I think the rules are different, but certainly I mean, in terms of like the legal ethical stuff, but certainly practically like go into another room. Now I understand you're banging on the bathroom floor, but like maybe don't answer the phone then. I guess we have nothing. I mean, be professional. Do I guess we don't. 
You know who's happy about all 4142 uh, she did 17 episodes of Ally McBeal as this same judge. And you know what I discovered while I was looking that up? Keith, what did you discover I... while you were looking that up? Oh, th- oh thanks for the tea up. Uh, I found out that Ally McBeal, I remember, I, I remember from the time I'd forgotten it since then, but Ally McBeal was once so popular on Fox that they cut a 30-minute version of the show out of this, out of the episodes that had already aired, cut out the comedic bits minus the legal stuff, and called the show Alley. Oh, I thought that was a different show entirely. No, no, they did it as a as sort of like a comedy sitcom, just re-edited episodes that they'd already showed. How crazy was that? That is crazy, Keith. I'm so glad yeah. we took this moment for the people, Your Honor. Yes. Commonwealth takes these ridiculous charges very seriously. And who's back? It's yeah. Super Rabbi Lawyer Norman Lloyd, who we last saw in the episode Part 6. What was that word he tried to say? I don't remember. Shushery, or something like that. <laughs> I don't listen when everybody talks, gentlemen. Your Honor, may I take a second to confer with my client? Take two. That judge who started working in 1958 as an actress and is still going. It's decision time. Obviously, they're playing for keeps. They brought in Silverman. We don't want a jury to get a crack at this, Bobby. Three of the good guys were killed. Probably I think he tried to say treachery. Treasury. So it was Treasurer. For the judge and the jury. <laughs> I love Put your impression of him. Do it again. Wacko out of the road. Treasury. Stick learning, <laughs> which is what we want. It tickles me so. Sorry, Bobby. I know the stakes are very high okay. for you right now. <laughs> Your Honor, You're going to lose your farm. The defense moves for a probable cause hearing. 10 o'clock tomorrow. The Commonwealth would be seeking so, bail, Your Honor. No, that- I'll grant OR. The argument that they were just having again. there while we were talking over it well, was they were going to do a bench trial and not a jury trial so that the judge is determining... Uh, guilt or innocence as opposed to a jury who they're assuming in this case would probably just convict him because he got three cops killed. Personal recognizance, 10 o'clock tomorrow. I like to start on time. She's no nonsense. You really can't in this personally, Helen. You version you you on the practice, that. but Allie McBeal, I imagine she's probably nonsense. Lindsay, we were making love on the bathroom floor when that call came in. It wasn't me. Bobby in a bathroom? It's it wasn't really me. The issue. I know. Uh, Lindsay, you need to get your shit together. Bobby in the bathroom. Bobby in the bathroom. That's a spoof of a song by Joy Connors from the musical Be More Chill. Be More Chill. See, that wasn't hard. I know we felt an obligation <laughs> to the client. What a deep cut, he's Keith. An what a deep person, cut. Right? Super deep cut. Of course. He's, he's Joe, honest. if you're listening, we got your back. Why do you say it like that? Like what? With your voice fluttering a little. I, I'm not fluttering. You are. I'm not. Flutter? I'm not fluttering. Damn it. 
What do you mean you want to tell him? The male fantasy continues. Let's take the male <laughs> such an important beat and spend it on two girls bickering over a, a guy. Yeah, and meanwhile, like Bobby has been charged with, with murder. With murder. I know murder. This could be worse, but she's one of my best friends. I can't lie to her. I just can't. Let me just recap things to see if I understand things correctly. While you and I were being recreational, Helen asked you if there was anything going on between us, and you said no because you sensed that she was interested in me and Guys, that she knew about you and me. Nobody cares which of you are a, fucking. You've been charged with Helen murder. Together. Correct. Then Helen and I did get together, and you and I stopped being recreational, and you said there was no reason to tell her because the past was the past, and it, it really didn't affect her. Correct. So, what now has changed? What's changed is this is a little bit of a crisis here, and I feel like a liar by not telling her. It's a little bit of a crisis. Okay. He's been charged Here's with murder. I really like her. At this moment, she's not particularly liking me. She thinks I betrayed her. If and you might go to, to jail for the rest of your friend, life. I'm afraid it could be detrimental to our progress as a couple. Yes, but... Lindsay, I agree at some point. Maybe we should tell her. But could you please allow me to put a little distance between me and these multiple murder charges before we do that? Now the flippancy <laughs> is quite comedic. Great. You can't do this to me. I have no choice. I've got to show a chain of events. I don't think I'm somebody you want to be calling. I'm not sympathetic to this prosecution. Well, I won't be calling upon you as an advocate. I just need the facts. I'll stipulate that he got the information from me. Miss Campbell, I'm not a man prone to vulgarity, but your ass is already in the grind here. I suggest you cooperate with the office that employs you. She got jimmied. Silverman, you don't <laughs> she scare. did get jimmied. Well, in that case, here's a subpoena. Let's get this camera right up in your face. Lindsay, you had to know a subpoena was coming. Come on. Lindsay? There's only one subpoena she's been thinking about. Also, her name is not Lindsay. God damn it. Oh, pardon me. I'll play his fat beats again. All right, hold on. I, I was reaching for it. <laughs> He's in the elevator. We need some elevator music as they're in the elevator. All right, all right, all right. We'll get some. I hope you do realize that was one of the more unpleasant arguments I ever had to make. But you got through it just the same. Jimmy. Don't this you is apologize not the... or look at me like you had no choice. You made your choice. Yes, and you made yours. Well, I suppose I should be grateful I wasn't assaulted. Not yet. You could have taken it to Chambers, Mr. West, but you chose to do it in open court. You're suing us in the open council. We respond in kind. Yeah? Well, so do we. Well, we would do it when... <laughs> wow, we just created quite the moment of television there. <laughs> Call, Might be the first time I that's ever happened. And what did Officer Walpole tell you? Hearsay. Not offered for the truth, Your Honor. Just to establish the words were spoken. I'll allow it. What did he say? 
Something to the effect that our informant thought he was Abraham Lincoln in a past life. We were concerned that he might not pass reliability under the Aguilar test and we wouldn't get our warrant. Your informant thought he was Abraham Lincoln? Yes. He'd get headaches when he went to the theater. Is that his joke or yours, Miss Gamble? You have a personal relationship with the defendant? We date. That's why he was in my apartment when the phone call came in. That's how he overheard we were scheduling a raid on Mr. Isakoff's safe house. So the defendant knew about the raid? I'd answer, but the defense is about to object. Objection. The witness is incompetent to say what the defendant may or may not have known. Let's speed this up, shall we? After the shootout, did you and the defendant have a conversation? Yes. And did he tell you whether he informed Mr. Isakoff in advance that a police raid was coming? He told me that he felt legally obligated to reveal the information to his client. Yes. I wonder what the laws Thank actually are here. A better podcast, dot, dot, dot. ever ask you for information about this raid? <laughs> no. Did Mr. Donald continue to discuss this case after he learned the suspect was his own client? No. Thank you. Mr. Well done, Eugene. Fan. Big fan. Fan, fan. Computer, computer. The complaint alleges material facts in dispute. The discovery includes epidemiological studies suggesting a causal link between power lines and certain types of cancer. The complaint also alleges a lack of serious statewide Good studies shot here. to determine the risks boom of shot. electromagnetic fields. Those four people live within 100 yards of Boston Power Company power lines. They live within one square mile of each other. It's a great shot, actually. This one has a brain tumor. Kind of felt like it went to handheld right there. This one, leukemia. This one, also leukemia. And this one, brain cancer. Also, they didn't get sick because I ran a commercial. They didn't get sick because I demeaned the legal profession. There's a cancer cluster in Fairfield, Massachusetts. People are dying. And he's asking you to ignore this because he thinks my law firm is disreputable. We've been called these things before at my disreputable firm. The last time was when we sued a tobacco company. They brought a summary judgment motion too, arguing as a matter of law, we had no case. Yeah, Cigarettes I was waiting for them to bring that couldn't up. couldn't possibly <clears throat> cause cancer. When we first got Good to argument, the Jimmy. building, we did notice some activity, though we didn't really think there was a connection. You know, Keith, we'll talk about it more at the end, but... This is reminding me that proper episodes in the season two canon, the cases are meaty. We get some courtroom drama. We get to see some litigation. We actually get some, a lot less fluff. Yeah, and Jimmy's a little bit less of a dummy. Yeah. I mean, we still have some like weird sex fantasies about Factual Bobby, facts. But, you know. What do you mean activity? Well, there were cars leaving, pulling out. No people or plates that we'd recognize. But the feel... It just wasn't sleepy is the best I can describe. Could you describe what happened next? We moved in. We had 11 officers in all. We wore vests and the front line had helmets. Six of us went up the stairway. The other five secured the area. We're seeing the we weren't using the battering ram because our informant had actually given us a key. To Mr. Isakoff's apartment? Yes. And we approached the door and we did hear some scuffling behind it, but not much. And then that's when it happened. What happened? We sprang through the door, and there they were, waiting, like they were expecting us. 
this do do we know what type of murder charge is this? I mean, it's not a first degree murder charge, is it? I bet it's reckless homicide, or it could be could be like third degree. Could be. It's, it's, I think it's probably like a manslaughter or homicide. They said, Continue. but I don't listen. I just heard the shots. I could smell the powder, assault weapons. It's like they had an arsenal. You were shot? In the shoulder. It knocked me back down the stairs. And the shooting just seemed to go on and on. What'd you see next? The next thing I remember seeing was Kevin Green. He fell on top of me. Uh, this witness has enough of a scene that I think he might deserve one, Keith. Oh, he does. Yeah, I was going to. Uh, yes. Hold on. Here it is. Smelled those assault rifles. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> his name is Shoshani Hall. He was. Wow, I can't believe this one episode for the first time ever were a mess. <laughs> <laughs> he has been on Justified, Life, Shark, Medium, Bruce, and Evan Almighty, the two movies, and The West Wing. Who is Kevin Green? My partner. He was my partner. He had been shot in the head. He was dead? Oof. Not yet. He was looking at me like he didn't know what had happened. And uh, it looked like he couldn't breathe. So there was this stuff in his mouth. Oof. He just kept looking back at Looking back at Were you able to get him to breathe? You know, this past week, Keith, in Astoria, one of the 9-11 first responders passed away. And yeah, come, right. they had a huge funeral on down Dittmar's, uh, huge flags up. Just it was it was pretty amazing to see all of the the brotherhood, be it first responders, police officers, firefighters, uh, EMT workers, just about everybody flock to Astoria for this uh, yeah, for this funeral. Yeah. And it's I mean whatever side who whatever level of support you have for for the police force i mean they are uh they do show quite a bit of solidarity so it was really good to see the good guys well, behaving I, as good guys no absolutely and you know you can to to want to hold them accountable for their behavior and to and to call out institutional problems does not mean that you are not supporting or or appreciate the unbelievable uh risk people go under and how unbelievably difficult that job is and the responsibility. Yeah, I think that's something. And in fact, that we keep harping on it, I think we will continue to do so because I, I, I feel very disrespected for many people who are patriotic people who love our country and believe in the promise and experiment of our country in the continually hoping and working towards a more perfect union that that requires working towards that more perfect union, not just accepting it as is or hoping for a better previous time. Well, no, I exactly. Like the, the perfect union is not a finished product. It is a system of responsibility and accountability. And the, it is not just the desire, but the obligation to do better and continually learn and improve and be accountable. And that is not not patriotic. In fact, that is the very definition of patriotic. It was funny, uh, uh, a colleague on my Facebook page, you know, over the, it was just 4th of July, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, it was just 4th of July recently, and I uh, had a friend, you know, there was some, 
dissent on whether or not uh, President Trump's Fourth uh, of July spectacular was a good use of. There was just some people who did not find it to be particularly patriotic and, and more political than it was patriotic. Um, and we can agree to disagree on on what side of the fence you want to sit on that uh, discussion. However, what I thought the the hypocrisy that bothers me is is uh, this particular person who I'll use as a stand-in for many people, you know, posted a picture from the event and said, if you didn't think this was a great patriotic event, don't comment. But it was a great showcase for blah, 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 blah. And it always tickles me because what makes this country great is the fact that we can have these disagreements and have a conversation about them. To simply deny people, and this goes for liberals too, to simply deny people their opinion or their voice because you don't want to hear it, is the complete antithesis of what we're supposed to be doing. Anyway, this has been Mike and Keith's soapbox, mo- soapbox moment. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'll, I'll stop there because my thing crashed, but I want to let you finish your monologue. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you back in? Not yet. Okay. I had, I had to reboot Pro Tools. Oh, oh, great. You're going for that long. It was good. I liked it, though. Ugh. God, my computer's been such a bitch today. I don't know why. It's in the air. I guess. All right, great. Well, ladies and gentlemen, much like the pickle and quandary that Bobby Donald has found himself in, Keith and I now find ourselves in a similar pickle, less than murder charges. Keith's uh, whole rig has been disseminated, so we're going to just rip his audio right from the the go-to meeting. So It's it's been disseminated? Decimated? God damn it. Decimated. It's been deseminated. <laughs> but since I lost a car and you lost a computer, I suppose we're both in the same mood at least. Oh my God. Whew. And meanwhile, we're like, we're watching a really, really terrific monologue being performed here uh, by Shoshani Hall, and we should get back to it. We should. So uh, if Keith sounds a little wonky for the rest of the episode or just not as good, uh, I guess tough shit. Dude. No. Officer Horton, you've testified that they were waiting. Are you sure about this? Yes, I am. He's giving us full tears right now. We were looking at gun barrels. And I saw some of their eyes. They weren't surprised. We were the ones surprised. They knew we were coming. So you didn't do any cross? No point. I mean, Bobby fucked up. I told you so. He sure did. And drug lawyers always become targets. Really good performance, Mr. Hall. We've been beating them on everything. Gerald Braun, Victoria Keenan. I don't know that's long enough to award you, but you might have earned yourself a nomination. The defendant's lawyer, you should have heard his little spew. So did we win the motion? No, not yet. Great. Go bother somebody else. Bobby's at Dark Hair's apartment. This is the equivalent of sending that you up text. (laughs) You just emojied her. Firstly, I wanted to thank you for today. I know you were under a subpoena. And I'd also like to thank you for... For what? For sticking by you? 
I didn't do that. I objected to you being prosecuted. I wasn't defending what you did. Helen, I know. Bobby, look. If you've come here to account for yourself, please get out. I get your position. Plus, you'll be on stand tomorrow, and we both know testimony comes off more persuasive when it isn't rehearsed. You say you get my position. Well, I'm here, hoping that you'll understand. Just get out. Come on, Just get Helen. Out. Get out! Just get out! Get Bobby, out! it's good for you to leave. Get out! Okay, all right, all right, stop. It isn't you. Hey, Don't you uh, think gentlemen, I here, here's, here's, a, here's a little, uh, little, little, little pro tip from, you know, being a, a, a person. When a woman screams, get out. Don't put you, your hands on her. You, you get out. You don't grab her arms and push her into a wall. Mm. Period. Pro tip. Now, Keith, there's, yes. there's a divergence in the path here. Is she going to stick to her guns and tell him to get the F out? Or is she going to qualify and tell us how it's her fault, not Bobby's? Well, let, let me let me ask your answer your question with a question. Was it written by a man? Oh, that you're a defense attorney. The guy's your client. I'm the one who screwed up. Well, there we have it. Hey! Everybody was doing their job except me. Those people are dead because I didn't do mine. I'm angry at myself. Maybe I even hate what... You were in the throngs of passion, girl. It's okay. I'm not sure I can ever look at you without... Please just get out. Helen. Yes, get out, Bobby. LA Confidential premieres Sunday, October 6th at 8. Ooh. Oh, a great movie. Russell Crowe. That's a good, good get for them. I had no way of knowing <laughs> a shootout would ensue, and I certainly never counseled my client toward violence. Thank you. That's all. Did you know that your client had sophisticated assault weapons? Did I know it? No. Did it surprise you to learn that Mr. Isakov had weapons in his safe house? I had no specific knowledge that they had weapons. Did it surprise you to learn that he did? No. Did it surprise you that they had... Did it surprise you? It surprised No. <laughs> in your mind... When you told Mr. Isaacup that the police were about to raid his safe house, did you make room for the possibility that they might use those weapons to fight back? Well, I really didn't think that far ahead. You didn't think that far ahead? What did you think Mr. Isaacup would do with the information you'd given him? Well, my job was just to give him the information, counsel. Oh, you're quite a taskmaster with your job, aren't you? Objection. Sustained. Did you consider that he might go to his house, gather his belongings before the police could get there? I considered that. Yes. Did you consider that the police could get there while Mr. Eitzikoff was still in the house? Did you consider that the police could get there while Mr. Eitzikoff was still in the house? I don't remember specifically considering it, but nor do I remember ruling that possibility out. Oh, what a lovely answer. Objection. Sustained. Did you ever consider 
calling the police and saying, hey, call off your raid. They know you're coming. Did you ever think of telling the police that? No. Who is Jack Cowley? Oh, shit. Who is Jack Cowley? He was evidently the informant the police were using to get their search warrant. Did you tell Mr. Isakov that Jack Cowley was working with the police? My communication with Mr. Isakov would be privileged, Mr. Silverman. Yes, you're quite correct. But that privilege belongs to Mr. Isakov, and he has waived it. And he told the police that you told him that Jack Cowley was the informant. Would that be correct? Objection! Mr. Isakov is represented by counsel. The police were told not to speak to him. Any conversation with John Isakov is a violation of the Sixth Amendment. Sixth Amendment protections go to the client, not the lawyer. Doesn't matter. John Isakov lacks the legal capacity to waive that right. Innis versus Rhode Island. Yes. And should the police ever use those statements against Mr. Isakov, you would have cause to suppress them. But I'm not going after Mr. Isakov here. I'm going after you. Your Honor. He's right. He's you good. You can't assert uh -huh. somebody else's constitutional rights in order to protect Mr. Donald Counsel. I don't really believe I need to tell you that. Did you tell Mr. Isakoff that Jack Cowley was the police informant? No. I asked him if he knew him. Well, he said yes. Did you tell him about the police raid? That's right. Hmm. Did you ever consider that your client might be able to put two and two together? Objection. Sustained. Were you shocked, Mr. Donald, to learn that Jack Cowley was found dead with a bullet hole in the back of his head? Objection. Sustained. I think we're done. Damn. Yeah. You got sister G'd. We're in trouble. <laughs> Bobby, if this goes to trial, we're going to have to consider a plea. A drug lawyer sets up the police for an ambush. Uh... You were pretty much an execution of a collie. Our only defense is the canon of ethics. Legally, we got to argue that what you did was ethical. Oh, wait, are you finally going to start taking the fact that Bobby's no been accused of murder seriously? I'll close. I'm not so sure that's smart. I'll close. Mr. Baluti, would you stand up? Berludi. Bernama. Mr. Berludi. The defendant, please rise. But hold on. One of the problems with the proliferation of law schools, night We didn't talk about him earlier, but this is none other than... Oh, I was just not ready. I was just not... I got distracted because I think my... Uh, I think my Pro Tools is working again. <laughs> Day late and a dollar short Pro Tools. Oh my god. So late and so short. Keith, let me while you're doing that, I think since I brought up dollars short, it's time for a small celebration. I hope you have the claps queued up because you and I, on our what, forty-third hour of out of practice, <laughs> have finally yes. reached three dollars three full dollars oh my god funds. you know <laughs> i love how you're always point that out and i'm like you know people like to listen to things that other people listen to <laughs> <laughs> and i'm not sure how exciting it is to hear 
<laughs> that no one else is listening to this. No, it takes thousands of clicks on those to advertisements to uh <coughs> Actually, hold on just a moment. I have to pause. Well, Keith, yes, people do like to listen to things people listen to, but people so, people also like to get in on the ground floor of great opportunities. Well, you know, we are the underdogs here. And frankly, I put it this way, if you are still listening in uh we're like 26 episodes in like you're in either way you're yeah, so screwed at this point yeah it'd be foolish yeah, I mean, to sell you just in, and, and if you dropped so in for, hold on i didn't say who Come the judge again. was <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen this is the first time we've ever had a sloppy episode yeah, i can't believe it's happening i'm really embarrassed oh it's so weird yeah it's just unprecedented for us that is albert hall who is a very successful actor. You would know from the TV show Men of a Certain Age. He was on 24. He also did 51 episodes of Ally McBeal, which, as we have discussed in the past, takes place in the same universe as The Practice, but somehow has CGI babies. Don't ask. I don't know why. He also was in Malcolm X, and you would know him most profoundly from Apocalypse Now. Oh. Yeah, I just start playing the clip when I'm about to talk about Apocalypse Now. And Apocalypse Now, he's going to rule on the permissibility. Permissibility. <laughs> oh. He is going to let Jimmy know if his being a quack is going to allow this case to go forward or not. Okay. Wait for your hair to dry. We overflood the market with attorneys who, because of the competition, have to go out and create litigation just so they can scratch your living. I hate it. And you're a poster boy for the problem. That having been said, this complaint does allege disputable questions of fact. The defendant's motion for summary judgment is denied. I'm scheduling a pretrial for Monday. I want witness lists no later than Friday. See you soon. You did it, Jimmy! Jimmy! We won. Even though everyone shot on you for about an hour and a half, you so much shit. So much shit. Try it. I'm ready. Firefly, the series premiere. Yeah, that's a better podcast. I'm not gonna stand up here and defend my actions. Oh wait, hold on. Oh wow. It's closing time. Time to put your case to bed. It's closing time. Bobby Donald, can you save your own ass? Let's do it. Legally, I fulfilled my ethical obligation to my client. Morally, I betrayed the men who were killed. Legally, I traded on information I received through a social relationship. Morally, I betrayed a trust with Helen Gamble. My only defense here is legal is how handsome i am i'm a criminal defense attorney i represent bad people the adversary system is premised on the defense attorney doing whatever he can to get the guy off it's drummed into us we are bound by the limits of the law but only the law morality right or wrong justice 
a criminal lawyer starts asking himself, what's the just result here? How should we get to there? He's lost. It's not a noble excuse. No, it's not. But a legal one. Hmm. Okay. Do whatever you can to get the guy off. Mr. Donald says that is the credo of a defense attorney. Today he stands here apologizing for it. Last year, after one of your clients committed a premeditated revenge murder, you stood in this very courthouse and argued law be damned, morality should win out. Today you exalt the law to justify immorality. Whatever you can to get the guy off. Face me, Mr. Silverman. If a client is about to kill, his lawyer has always been allowed to reveal that. Privilege has never been given priority over the threat of bodily harm. Mr. Donnell knew that his clients were violent. By his own admission, he knew of the possibility that people could be killed. The what? Possibility. And he sat on it. He let the fathers and the husbands of those people walk headfirst. So we're going to go through the next seven seasons of this episode with him being an accused murderer? Because in his mind, <laughs> the next he seven had seasons is one long trial. To ignore justice and morality in his mind, if he did anything it's to prevent be Norman Lloyd monologue deaths, <laughs> he'd be lost. I don't think the defendant has any idea how truly lost he really is. How long? Interesting scenario here. What's the right call? She can't make him stand trial for murder. She just can't. With this public outcry? Just don't know. I suspect Bobby's not going to prison, though. Come on, everybody. You don't know. You could plea out, right? We'll be right outside. Now, Helen and Bobby have their own intimate clothes. I'm not nearly ready to put this behind me. But I'm not ready to put you behind me either. Do you mean that figuratively or literally? She's coming back. Let's go. That's convenient timing. I called you back in because I'd made up my mind. But in the two minutes it took you to file back in, I changed it. Whether or not you're guilty here, Mr. Donnell, really depends on exactly where you were in your head when you talked to your client. What you knew would happen. Or what you thought might. Unfortunately for me as a judge, that answer still lies within your head. And your head alone. On the facts, dismissed with prejudice, the defendant is free to go. Wow. Okay. 
With prejudice means they can appeal, right? I'll say it for the last time. They won't be the You know last what? Time. A better podcast. Dot, dot, dot. All I'm saying is if we keep defending the druggies, this could Probably. That, that's our next bumper. Just a quick one. <laughs> dun, dun. That stuff's gonna happen. Yeah, well, let's just get some new clients for you, dump that okay? And your cancer case survived? It did. With Judge Walsh. He likes me. Who's Bobby? I think he ran off to make up with Helen. Chuckle, chuckle, snicker, snicker. Those two sleeping together. Because that's what we care about right now. <laughs> <laughs> At least Eugene gave us a disgusted head shake. We're watching the funeral of the cop on TV. Yeah. Interesting how similar it, it looked to the Astoria one. So he's not making up with Helen. No, he's not getting behind Helen. And Helen is also watching it, giving us an excellent single tear. Thank you. You know, as Taps plays, Keith, I, f- I figured in all sincerity we should mention that the, the first responder we've been mentioning is Luis Alvarez. Uh, of course, our thoughts and prayers got to his family. And uh, all those 9-11 first responders and first responders today who put their lives uh, at risk to keep us safe. Uh, yeah, are still paying the price. Okay, well, so we have gotten through <laughs> barely by the skin of our teeth. <laughs> really, <laughs> season two, episode fifteen. So, uh, yeah, wow, that was a that was a journey for all of us. Technically, uh, it, morally, technically, morally, uh, financially. Yeah, fin- fin- <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a it's a really interesting one. It's another one of those uh, episodes where our main characters' only consequences are sort of emotional, mm-hmm. which is what we just saw there from Bobby. Which is uh, it's it's interesting because they get into a lot of shit. But before we discuss that, it's time for. Keith, I think once again for me, uh, and I think you might agree, he takes a shitting, but keeps on ticking and winning cases, or at least motions in this case, uh, Jimmy Berluti. Jimmy Berluti, yeah, okay. Well, you know what? Interestingly, I don't agree. Okay. I mean, I mean, yes, good for Jimmy. I thought he did a really good job there. But Bobby got himself off for murder with prejudice with with prejudice but he he was able to with a losing hand you know conceding all of the elements of the case including conceding the morality of the case he was able to spin himself a dismissal based purely on the very specific legalistic technicalities so uh, I think both it, it showed a lot of skill and a lot of stakes. So I think we have a split decision. We're going to go half to Bobby McDonald. Keith, this just in. 
In the formal legal world, a court case that is dismissed with prejudice means that it is dismissed permanently. A case dismissed with prejudice is over and done with once and for all and can't be brought back to court. A case dismissed without prejudice means the opposite. It is not dismissed forever. So Bobby is, in fact, it's over. Closed How about book. that? So she was not leaving the door open. She was basically saying uh, scot-free, Bobby Donald. Yeah. What? So with that information, yeah, I'm still going to give it to Jimmy, but I, uh, I can see your, your case is much stronger now. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Of course, I wonder, even if it's dismissed with prejudice, like you still have the ability to appeal things. But I think it it might apply to the prosecution. The prosecution can't bring it up again, but I bet a defendant can bring it, right, can with, still appeal. Right, this means that the... the but but the, it wouldn't be dismissed, so obviously, no, right. I, I just, the plaintiff I just means invalidated my own point. If, if a case is dismissed without prejudice, meaning that means the... the uh, plaintiff can bring a suit for the same charges yeah <clears throat> interesting okay well we're learning things we're learning things right in here so uh let's do already famous because you've been on tv getting a paycheck Watch first entry on your imdb way to go and you're the best guest actor you are the best guest actor you are the best guest actor on the Okay, best guest actor. Let's list the nominees. Okay. That you do that. <laughs> Cuz you don't know any of their names. <laughs> okay, well, no surprise. All right, I'm going to give you two just to save time. Uh Shoshani Hall, who was the cop who gave that terrific monologue and gave us real tears, and Norman Lloyd himself. Uh, the prosecutor against Bobby. Oh, man. It's a great monologue, but I think I have to, my vote will go with Norman. He had a lot more to do. He showed, once again, his pit bull nature, uh, made some great arguments, really found somehow a way to make himself 95% uh, legible. Uh, and so uh, with with in the, in auditorially very, legible, auditorially legible, and I uh, I feel like with just a narrow, narrow, narrow win, I'm going to give it to Norman. Okay, well, I'm going to uh, I'm actually going to we're going to be split again. Ooh, wow. what a testy episode! I am going to give it to Shoshani Hall uh, because he went in had about twelve lines and just crushed it which yeah, uh, i i really respect something and somebody coming in and being able to do that without a lot of uh with with almost nothing on the page so because they're really you, you okay buddy there really wasn't much there in the script that called for all of that emotion he brought it he truly brought it himself uh, so congratulations to Shoshani Hall and Norman Lloyd for your split best guest actor. All right, and before everything else goes to shit, let's do this. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. Man, we had a lot of 
There's a lot of people in this episode from the main cast. Yeah. Basically, everybody got a swing. Um, you know, Bobby, I think, Dylan, if you will, I think really had a pretty strong episode because he got to play something, a color we don't generally see from him, which is contrition. Yes, we've seen it a few times, like when he mm-hmm. went to the rape victim's house. Uh, but I actually felt it pretty pretty powerfully here. Um, that was Eugene, but whatever. Oh, right. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> yes, you're right. I'm just wrong, simply, purely. <laughs> um, Dismissed with prejudice. <laughs> Hel- Helen also had uh, a great, uh, Laura Flynn, if you will, had a great uh, performance. It was all over the place, mind you. Um, uh, I, bah, di, uh, uh, Jimmy? Had a great episode. <laughs> so many, ep- so many, so many people. <laughs> <laughs> the agony on your face right now. I really think. Just say someone. <laughs> I, I think uh, my 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 award, my portion of the award, will go to Dylan McDermott as Bobby Donald. Okay. All right. Yeah, and I I think he. This is definitely one of his strongest episodes, uh, in my opinion. Um, but just in the just to be contrary, I'm going to give it to Lara Flynn Boyle, who, even though uh, her character arc didn't make a great deal of sense, um, she really did play a whole bunch of different colors, and uh, also for the second time this season, sealed it with a single tear at the end of the episode. So congratulations to Dylan and Lara for your fake award. So we only have one more thing, mercifully, only one more thing to do. How many spare tires this episode gets? Although I feel that I have so many things to do in post. You sure do. You've got a lot more to do. Um, I'm going to the nymph opening party instead. Oh, that's cool. I don't know any of the shows in it this year. Um, Neither do I. Is Jill in any of them? Nope. Are you? Nope. Are you singing in any of those cabarets? Nope. No participation whatsoever? None. So I'm going to say that it... (laughs) (laughs) I'm just a VIP guest, okay? Yeah, VIP. It was a good episode. I'm so happy. I'm so thankful that we are back into season two proper. I hope we stay there. Seven point, I think we have 7.5 tires. 7.5 tires. Yeah, no, I, I liked the stakes. I liked uh, Dylan really getting himself in, or Bobby getting himself in trouble here. I You know, I, I wish that there was a better explanation of the, the sort of legal and moral quandary there. I, I feel like it. <laughs> the episode gets off on a technicality sort of the same way that Bobby does. Um, so I, I feel like that storyline could have used an arc as opposed to an episode. There's a lot of these things where they come in with these tremendously high stakes, you know, murder charges, or like they're going to get disbarred that kind of gets dismissed pretty quickly. Um, so we'll see if they follow up on that anymore. Um, and I, you know, certainly laying the groundwork for the continuation of the cancer cluster case is good and some really good performances. Uh, so I'm going to give it a 6.75. God damn it, you're going to make me get the calculator out again, aren't you? <laughs> Son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> now you're going to have to calculate. Talk, 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 talk. 
Okay, well, look, if you've gotten this far, I know you want to reach out to us on the Out of Practice Podcast at gmail.com. Send us an email, leave us a rating or review, maybe not of this episode, but of a different episode on Apple Podcasts that would really help uh, more people listen to us. You can also find us on Instagram and the Facebook at Out of Practice Podcast. 7.125. That is actually, I believe, the second time in two weeks that we have uh, given that rating. You know, Keith, what I also enjoy about this episode, and I've said this once before. Okay. But I think since we are now back into season two proper, I'm not sure if they knew how the air dates would happen or if this was just sort of coincidental that it worked this way. But thankfully, David in writing this episode, gave us a great sort of retcon or uh, in addition to a summary of where we are and where where we're, what we're supposed to be feeling about the firm as a whole here because we've right. been so up and down. I think that uh, Norman's sort of close in the murder trial was basically saying that, oh, one day they're using the fact that they're defense attorneys as a defense and the next day and that you have to do whatever is legally necessary, and the next day they're apologizing for it, and the next day they're standing behind it, and the next day they're apologizing for it, kind of right, waffling right. back and forth. But then Bobby's close basically reaffirmed that, hey, it's not always morally right, but it's what our job is and it's what we're going to do. Yeah, well, and that the the specifics of the task of that day may not be moral, but the purpose of the job is moral. Having defense attorneys is part of the morality of our legal system. Right. You can't just decide what the just thing would be and then figure out how to get there. You have to go through the process. You have to well, have the arguments. Well, and somebody's got to argue for both sides. Right. So I like that this episode has kind of left us there. It feels like very convenient that it, it sums that up for us and, and lets us know, okay, here's where we're going to be as the sort of moral center of the show moving forward. And we've got a couple of arcs in process with the cancer cluster We've got a rocky relationship between uh, Bobby and Helen, and also Lindsay's still there being a creeper in the shadows. Congratulations! I I really wanted to get that in and let people know that I'm, (laughs) I am trying. (laughs) So I feel like we're in a good place setting us up for episode 16 next Tuesday. There it is. Okay. Well, you know, now that I've uh, I stalled for you. Right, and gave away all of our contact info. What do we talk about over the outro? Well, I'm I'm just curious as to whether you're going to actually send me wave files from Pro Tools or some from your recording of this episode. Will I have to patch in some of the backup audio? It's so much. Intriguing. Oh, it's going to be a shit show extraordinaire that I look forward to hearing what you do with. <laughs> we also get to hear a little bit of John Elway the musical this evening. Oh, right. Yeah, I'll have to remember to send that to you. I hope you do. And uh, other than that, I'm going to enjoy a nice grill out tonight with uh, the rest of my castmates here at the Depot Theater in Westport, New York. And tomorrow, hopefully, I'm going to go burn my credit card down to the ground as I pay for the stupid new tire I have to put in my fucking car. Oh, well, that'll be fun. And, you know, I look forward to next episode hearing some of of your sweet jamming tunes from this uh, Candor and Ebb. Yeah, and, performance. and Tom Brady, if you're listening, what happened, man? Where are you? <laughs> My email sits empty. Oh, it's so sad. Well, Keith, thanks for making such a goddamn long outro. And to you, I say... <laughs> laser sounds. 
Lizard Sounds. I want my corn fed football American dream. I want my mom's apple pie and a Super Bowl team. I want it all. I want it all. I'm a Bronco. Now I'm wearing orange and I'm on the field and I'm wearing Craig Morton's old number. So I'm here to. You sure are hot, but you have nothing to offer. I don't give a shit. You can play a game All you knuckle dragon offs are all the same So I get they jocks Cause I know I can do better I don't they jocks Please stop staring down my sweater I don't they jocks I've got killer instinct I'll do what it takes to crush you I've got is Wisdom of One. Wisdom of One is the story of me, the brave and powerful hero Skankross 7 and counting. Wisdom of One, there's like all these crazy adventures that we go on. It always has something new. <laughs> this podcast has many, many personality disorders in evidence. See if you can spot them all. The one telling the story is shockingly repressed. Yet another Dungeons and Dragons comedy podcast. Interrupted by long stretches of grunting from Dagon and pointless NPC nonsense you should skip through. Sometimes it's just more fun than real life, I guess. So find us on your podcatcher of choice. Give us a listen, rate, and review us. We need your help there for sure. Wisdom of One. Failure is a way of life. Charisma of 20.